Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Noll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, a pile of chickpeas called Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Hello from The Equalizers podcast, a weekly podcast for both Mike and mine's separate bedrooms in Chicago, Illinois. I'm your co-host, Madison Jones. If you never listened to the podcast before, this is everything you need to know. About six months and a week ago or so, Mike and I decided to start a podcast after hanging out at my place one night and talking about a movie Hook and how it never got a sequel. Luckily, there are many movies out there in Hollywood that have, haven't got the sequel treatment, so Mike and I recorded this podcast in our rooms in the magical land of Chicago each week, pitching sequels and prequel ideas to those movies. I, of course, am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike the Talking Man. I, I promised in Amadeus that... I was going, or I suggested in Amadeus, we just start stealing intros from other podcasts. So, for this week, it's Hello from the Magic Tavern. Cool. I can't wait to hear what next week's is. Yeah. Are you in good form? Oh, yeah. Because we're friends. I care. I care if you're in good form. We're, we're good friends. We're such good, good friends. friends. Best friends. <laughs> we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> or what do they say? Oh, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. You're a good friend. You're it? a good friend. If we were to draw a graph of opening bits, this one would be like about one tick above the rest of them. So it's progress. It's progress. It's progress. Rome's b- bits weren't made better in a day. <laughs> uh, so this week we're doing Penelope, the Christina Ricci, James McAvoy film that I saw existed on Netflix and thought, oh, that's interesting. She has a big nose. I'll watch that. And actually really uh, ended up liking it a lot. This was one of those movies that has always been like, oh, I, I need to really watch that sometime. And I just never did because I heard good things about it. And I I like Christina Ricci. Um, I didn't know James McAvoy was in this or really. I think at this point when this movie came out, James McAvoy <laughs> wasn't like a name, I don't think. so. Yeah, a lot of what I saw was this was kind of a launching, not the launching pad, but one of the bigger roles that he, where he started getting bigger roles. Mm-hmm. Terrible American accent. Yeah, yeah. It, it cracks me up that you say you didn't know James McAvoy was in this because currently on some like if you watch Netflix on your computer or like a PlayStation or whatever, at least on the PlayStation version, his face is the image. Oh, really? Of for Penelope, it's like the, huh. the thumbnail image is James McAvoy's face, and so it cracks me up that you're like, I didn't even know he was in this. You you would think Penelope's face or Christina Ricci's face would be the yeah thing, Netflix does so a bunch of weird shit where they like change the thumbnails every two months or whatever because that's the yeah. thing that people are oh new thumbnail I, sh- I should watch this movie well they finally stopped the automatic like uh, the automatic trailer thing um, if you hover over mm-hmm. like a a movie for like three seconds yeah. it starts playing the trailer for it or begins the movie i'm like sure that's super annoying how can i even browse this fucking hud it, this no. has been our new segment netflix gripes hot takes netflix no netflix netflix so you said you chose this because it, it was on netflix basically yeah like i i i watched it for the first time because I, it was on netflix and i was just like looking for something that i hadn't seen before and to kind of branch out a little bit from my usual sci-fi, comedy, whatever, like, I was looking for... And, I mean, this still falls under, like, fantasy and yeah. somewhat comic, like, rom-com. But it was a thing that, like, looked vaguely interesting and was outside of my usual um, milieu. Yeah. And I really liked it. And that's why, like, I watched it and thought, I'm doing this after Speed Racer. 
just because I really liked it, and I had some beef with the way it did end, which we'll get to later. But for uh, sure, I think I, I definitely enjoyed this movie, and we'll move into the synopsis now. I, I think the synopsis will be a little. It, it's like a straightforward movie, but it like there's a lot to explain in it at the same time. At least yeah, like on the front end, un- because unlike Amadeus, where it was basically these like Salieri and all these nobles basically try to ruin Mozart and the details are boring and very mm-hmm. granular. The details in this one are, the scenes are more important mm-hmm. than just like, you almost need it. The, the, some of the more to the details of this one than you do with that one. Like that one, as long as you understand that basic thing, then you pretty much got it. Like, well, before we get to the, re- the synopsis, I do have a few reviews, which means it's time for daddy's tomatoes. Squish. Uh, this first one that I don't have open yet, as Jackson would say, butts, 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 butts. Ass, 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 ass. Nice. Yeah, we're a harder podcast than gratuitous pausing, so we say we, ass. We say things like anal. <laughs> we talk at length about different types of constipation. Like anal constipation. Two other types. I'm going to regret this, but... Dick constipation. Sure. <laughs> Just other... I guess when your nose is stuff, stuffed up, it's sort of like having nose constipation, right? Sure. I'll allow it. And when your ears are about to pop and like everything, mm. it's sort of like your ears are constipated. No, not, maybe I don't not think so. Maybe not the same way. So this first review... When you cry, it's like your eyes are constipated. No, it's not. Not at all. That's no, not <laughs> at all. So much, there's just so much fluid in there, it's got to get out. I think... <laughs> it's impacted. In fiction, now Madison doesn't actually understand what constipation is. <laughs> It's when the it's when water like turns into air in the in gas in the sky. That's exactly correct. Yeah, this first <laughs> review, <laughs> this first review, Madison is actually from a returning reviewer. I double checked this fact. Is it that one guy that we keep? It's not T Rugs. I'm afraid it's not T Rug. Uh, this person is making their return appearance from Beetlejuice Two. This review is from Ryan A, who gave this movie one star, and I think you'll I think you'll know which one by the time we get to the end. Okay. What I gotta say about the movie Penelope in quotes Penelope's in quotes. What I gotta uh, say okay. about the movie Penelope is that is is a horrendous movie. In quotes, my word is it a bad movie? Exclamation point and quotation marks. The performances in this are so pathetic. The directing by Mark Polanski is awful. The screenplay by Leslie Cavani is so discouraging. The score in this movie was fine. But my the problem that I have to dislike is the makeup. It kills the aesthetic of the main character in this movie. I'm raving that Penelope is not a good movie. Ah, Ryan A, the punctuation master. (laughs) The quotation raver. Yeah. Because he was raving that Beetlejuice, if you recall. I think um, Ryan A would agree that he's a little bit ahead of his time oh, as yeah. far as punctuation goes. I tried to go to his like Rotten Tomatoes page to see what other movies he'd reviewed for like possible future Equalizers outings. Like We could follow the works of Ryan A for a little bit, maybe. The Ballad of Ryan A. The the a the Ryan saga, <laughs> and we'd put like Ryan in quotation marks and saga in quotation marks. Yeah. But I couldn't find his page. So yeah, it sounded kind of like he wanted to sound like he's very knowledgeable. So he just like went to IMDb and looked like and looked up 
who wrote the screenplay and who did the score and mm-hmm. everything, but didn't really go into detail about why he didn't like it. Like, he's just like, oh, this guy's name and names. He must know all about this movie and must be really intelligent. Ryan's reviews read like they sat down at their computer, did a bunch of Adderall, and then just pounded out like 50 movie reviews for movies that they like remember <laughs> watching. <laughs> because it's just very stream of consciousness. What I got to say about this movie, Penelope, is that it is, is a horrendous of a movie, two exclamation points. Like, See, he's being so undetailed, I could believe he didn't even actually watch the movie. He watched like the opening of the movie just to get an idea of like the score and the makeup. Yeah. And then I was like, no, it's it's terrible. Or saw an image of Christina Ritchie in the makeup or whatever. Well, for the listeners, just remember, Ryan A is raving that Penelope is not a good movie. Also, like the idea that Ryan A is like throwing raves for each of these movies, and like the quality of the rave is based on how he feels about the movie. So Beetlejuice, which he raved was a good movie, was this really dope rave, and the Penelope one is just a very not good rave. I'm gonna go to Shrek rave. Oh I'm man, go to a Shrek. Shrek rave. Shrek rave is actually my uh, techno Shrek inspired band. <laughs> um, I have one more review, and this one. Isn't I think that we need to start um, unlocking the ancient tomb of King Dwarf sixty nine. Okay. It just this one is by Luis F, who gave it no rating. Reagan, watch Penelope in a review. That is totally a grandma or a mom or something uh-huh. that does not know how the internet works, right? I don't know. Just so Reagan, if you're listening, watch Penelope. Hey, watch Penelope, Reagan. My cousin's name is Reagan. Oh yeah. Maybe it's her. Do you know anybody named Luis whose last name starts with the letter F? Uncle Louis F? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, with the E at the end, because what confused me. What's the F stand for? Father. Louis Father. Your Uncle Louis Father. Uncle Louis Father. <laughs> <laughs> we did awaken the ancient mummy. of. We opened the black sarcophagus. and Yeah, you can't just close that. No. Not without yeah. offering it a review. For new listeners, uh, this is a regular <laughs> segment where we do, uh, we create a review uh, one word at a time for the title of the review and then one sentence at a time for the body of the review it'll make sense maybe after we do it and we do have a rotten tomatoes profile but i have not posted any of these on rotten tomatoes and will not likely do so in the future so enjoy them here it's just it's it's a fleeting mode it's like theater you know you go and you see it and then it's done except you also have a recording of it so i'll start with golly molly can you feel the love in this tonight period or question mark i suppose yeah golly molly can you feel the love in this tonight golly molly can you feel the love in this tonight or i guess it's can you feel the love in this tonight uh question you can begin the reviews or the body of the review if you'd like cool professor x in this was probably the best i've ever seen him Although I do want to know why Casper wasn't way more jealous. <laughs> and uh, Sally uh, really was really mean to Casper the entire movie. I guess I haven't seen Casper in a while. Sal- uh, Catherine O'Hara plays uh, Sally in Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. All right, so back in the review. That wasn't part of the review. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it was. That was the review, <laughs> period. End of review. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I think Tyrion Lannister looks way hotter with the eye patch and mustache. But why was he named Lemon? I hate lemons. <laughs> Zero stars. Zero stars.
We forgot about Reese Witherspoon. Oh. Damn it. Oh, well. P.S. Too late. Actually, edit. You can edit. People edit reviews. True. So edit with this date. Sweet Home Alabama was atrocious. <laughs> there you go. Period. Zero stars there we still. Go. Yeah. That's the whole review. That's the whole new review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's so it's it's the first review and then underneath that like edit 8-24-2018 and then that just that sentence. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. So, I'll run through a quick synopsis. The movie opens with a brief history lesson of the Wilhern family curse. A curse that was put onto the family by a scorned witch mother who sought revenge for her daughter's suicide. Her daughter killed herself after being left to live in squalor after conceiving a child with a Wilhern aristocrat. The curse itself being that the next Wilhern daughter will be born with a face of a pig and the curse can only be broken once one of her own kind learns to love her. Fast forward to five generations later, um, the first female born in the Wilhern line is born, and that is Penelope, the title character of the movie, who is played by Christina Ritchie. After she is born, like it gets out that this baby with a pig face was born, and so tabloids start to harass the family a bit. A reporter in particular named Lemon, played by Peter Dinklage, um, is probably the most aggressive one of these uh, reporters who tries to get a picture of Penelope as like a baby. He hides in a drawer in their house. Yeah, yeah, he like hides in their house and then pops out and the mother, Penelope's mother, played by Catherine O'Hara, is scared by him and beats him until he goes <laughs> blind in one eye. I mean, she hits him like one time, but like right on that yeah. eye. Like she just whacks yeah. him with this like thick, like walking stick kind of thing. With the constant harassment and fear for their family's name, uh, the Wilhern parents fake Penelope's death and keep her away from society for years and years. And fast forward times two, to actually i don't know how many years later i don't know how how old christine uh, richie is 26 because they say 18 in the in the exposition at the beginning they say on her 18th birthday that the mom hires this matchmaker and then at one point she says that like i've been doing this for the last seven years so i guess it's 25 but yeah yeah so once penelope becomes 18 uh the family really goes at it to try to break this curse by sort of arranging these like anonymous meet cutes with various aristocrat families where Penelope is on one side of a wall that is a two-way mirror um, but she can communicate with the aristocrat air like potentials Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side and the hope is that they will fall in love but and they get really far, far enough to where Penelope feels kind of comfortable to come out and actually meet the person face to face. But every single time she meets someone face to face, the dude is a total dick, is horrified by her face, and runs out of the runs out of the house. Uh, at which point, the butler chases them down and brings them back to the house and silences them. Um, <laughs> that's all. That's all that is told. Like what he actually does. And I'll get into like that a little bit maybe after the synopsis. Sure. Because that character is a little weird. But we then like jump into like movie in real time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we see one of these aristocrats like telling Penelope through the wall how much he loves her and how much they can overcome any- anything. And so she comes out. He's horrified. He runs and he escapes. And the butler actually isn't able to catch him. 
the man's name is Edward Vander Bloom. Sure. Vander. I actually yeah. don't remember like, his last name. It, it yeah, it's like Edward Vanderboom and he runs to the to the police and reports to the family, but uh the police are like girl with a pig face? Yeah, right. Whatever. You're you're crazy. And word gets out that this aristocrat, like rich heir to the family fortune is like spouting like nonsense and the public uh, and the tabloids uh, are calling him insane. So he sets out to prove that Penelope exists and she has a pig nose and everything. And he thinks she has fangs as well. He thinks she's a monster, basically. Mm -hmm. And... He gets the help of Lemon, the journalist from earlier, and they set up a sort of plant that will go into these this like meat cute family thing that the, this family does, and and that person will then take a picture of Penelope, so they have proof that she exists, and they then um, will reveal it, so everyone knows that Edward isn't crazy, and B- Lemon will be justified in like his years of mm-hmm. blindness i guess they're like sort of an act of revenge against the family for sure. blinding him the guy that they get is max he's sort of this I don't, I don't know how to describe him he's i don't even know why they choose him really he's supposed to be like a down and out um blue blood like when lemon shows up he's playing in this like seedy poker den and he and uh, lemon says like you basically squandered the fortune your family spent generations acquiring on poker yeah so they, and that's James McAvoy's character. Uh, James McAvoy goes into the meat cute with like a camera inside of his shirt. Fast forward through this a little bit. Him and Penelope talk. They actually fall in love, but it is of course revealed that James McAvoy is just a plant the whole time. Uh, Penelope reveals her true face to him. Um, and he's like, I can't be with you for some reason i don't actually remember she basically is like marry me and then the curse will be broken and i'll be like pretty and he says but what if it isn't and she literally says straight up then i promise i'll kill myself yeah it's really real really fast and after that all happens penelope decides that she should escape this house it's horrible she (laughs) she hates she hates her life living there being shut away from the world and so she escapes her family's freaking out and she goes and she steals her mom's credit card and lives in a hotel and then goes to a bar where she gets drunk with Reese Witherspoon <laughs> for a while for an undetermined amount of time. And like helps her be basically like a UPS, like a delivery person. But she has a bike. Uh, it's a Vespa. She's like a messenger. Okay. They make very clear that it's a Vespa. Uh, at one point, she's harder for money. So she actually contacts Edward and Lemon and sells a picture of herself to them for money. And it is then revealed to the world that Penelope exists. She has this pig face and everything. Mm-hmm. And to her surprise and her family's surprise, like, People aren't, like, embarrassed by it or, like, anything. They don't think she's a monster. They love her, actually. And at this point, Edward says some, like, really shitty things to a journalist. Is like, oh, she should be locked up. She's a fucking monster. And, like, Edward's father is like, you got to make this right. You're embarrassing our family. And so he decides to fake apologize and decides to propose to her. Her family presses her to say yes. And they do. And then they have a wedding she 
decides against it at the last minute, I think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then runs away. She then breaks the curse by loving herself mm-hmm. in like her attic room, at, like where she runs to. The curse is broken. Her nose and ears go away, or they're they're they they become human ears. Right. Yeah. She doesn't become Lord Voldemort. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> That's the new origin Harry Potter origin story. Yeah. The synopsis is running very long. Yeah. And then her and James McAvoy meet up again, and they are fall they fall in love, or they they're already in love. They're they're together. Basically. Yep. So, real quick, before I start this pitch, I want to talk about the reveal at the end that the whole time she just needed to, like, love herself. And on principle, I'm not against that. Like, yes, that, like, Penelope coming to be like, no, like, I don't need to get better is yeah. is great. And I'm for, I feel like it's it's the knees get cut out from under that by the fact that she then does, that breaks the curse. Like, the obvious answer is the mom needs to stop being a piece yeah. of shit about it. It it boggled my mind that they were like like you know Penelope needed to accept it and that's great and I and I totally support that and I'm not saying like oh no Penelope should never have come to accept herself it's the fact that then immediately it's like yes I accept that I that this is what I look like and then boom not anymore now you have like human features and yeah so it was like I don't know and, and the mom basically learned no lesson to me it's sort of like a reverse Shrek situation <laughs> where. At, at the end of the, at the end of the, like, we talk about Shrek. I mean, I think we mention it every so often. Probably about every three episodes it comes up. Yeah. This is probably the most serious I'll be about Shrek ever. But <laughs> at the end of the first Shrek movie, Fiona is like, the curse is broken after, like, True Love's first kiss, after she kisses Shrek. Mm-hmm. And she comes down, she's still an ogre, and she's like, I don't understand. I'm supposed to be beautiful. And Shrek says, you are beautiful. Like, it's sort of like right. you yourself, like this, this whole visage doesn't matter. You entirely, all of you is beautiful where she gets changed. Like she, her features go back, go to being human features. And with the like kind of loose curse, like, mm-hmm. like rules, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Sure. No, I agree. And I just want to touch on that briefly because that does factor in a little bit into my pitch, which I will begin Oh wait, 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 wait! I want to, I want to talk about the butler real fast. So, uh, looking up information about this movie on the wiki and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you touch on the butler at all no. in your pitch. Okay. So, at the end of the movie, and I forgot to mention this in the synopsis, the butler decides to leave, mm-hmm. and the mother is like yelling at him, and he like flicks his finger. And takes her voice away. Oh yeah. So he he's magic. Whoops! Definitely yeah. forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah. So he's somehow magic. So looking at the wiki and into this movie, the witch at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is played by the guy who plays the butler. Okay. So the through line is I don't know if you're supposed to know that because you don't really get to see the witch like up close. But I guess the through line is is that he is the witch and oh, has yeah. always been the witch the whole time. He turns into the witch at the end. At the very end. Yeah, as he leaves, he like snaps his fingers or something and turns into the witch and then disappears or whatever. He turns into the witch? Yeah, I don't like, remember that part. Legitimately, that happens at the end. I don't know if it's like a mid credit scene or something, but it's it's about oh, that time. Oh, it might be, because I do, I do not remember that. It's right about that time that when he takes her voice, which I definitely forgot, and she did get back, FYI, off screen. Okay. Because she has a voice in my movie. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, there's one last joke I want to touch on. Very, and this is very quick. In the scene where Penelope shows up at the bar, 
for the first time. She's like, can I have a beer on tap? And the bartender who's filling a beer goes, sure, you can have this one. Like, what bartender just randomly filling mugs of beer throughout the day? Like, well, I hope somebody asks for this soon. Like, that just cracked me up that... Like when I rewatched it for this, I was like, wait, what the fuck? He's just filling up a random beer. He was off camera, but there was a guy just like at the end of the bar, like, what the fuck? That was my beer. (laughs) (sighs) I also don't understand Reese Witherspoon's character in this movie or like, I guess her purpose is for her to have a friend, right? Yeah. And from what I understand, this is based off a book. And I imagine that character had way more to do in the book. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about the book. We're here to talk about Penelope 2, colon, Phoebe. The book. The book, yes. (laughs) That I wrote for this to then make a sequel out of. Uh, No, my pitch is Penelope 2, colon, Phoebe. We open on Max driving a car full of girls. Wait, one more thing. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. We open on Max driving a car full of girls in prom dresses. It's years later, and Penelope and Max have a daughter named Phoebe. She is shy and introverted, and I think in this scene, like, she and Max are... His name's not Max, because it turns out he's actually, like, a fake. We didn't really touch on that in the synopsis. Oh, yeah, we don't actually know Lemon confuses this vague, like, oh, he's over at that table, and what he really wanted was Nick Frost's terrible American accent poker player. Mm -hmm. But he thought he was pointing at James McAvoy. And I, James McAvoy's real name's like Johnny, but I call him Max throughout the entire pitch. So Yeah, he's Max. It's years later, and Penelope and Max have a daughter named Phoebe. She is shy and introverted, and she's like, there's a lot of self-consciousness inherent in this character. I kind of just tagged that on. She's also very self-conscious, which we learned from these this car ride. Penelope is trying to get her to branch out and try new things. She's Penelope spent her whole life cooped up inside and missed out on so much like of her actual childhood and life. Uh, she doesn't want Phoebe to miss out on all the things that Penelope did. She kind of like nudges her into going to prom with her friends. More of the like, I'm not going to make you, but I really think I'd really like it if you went kind of mm-hmm. nudging of like, I'm going to make you go, but I'm not going to say I'm making you go. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe is in the front seat talking with Max. This is um, where we probably get a lot of the like self-consciousness of like, what if nobody wants to dance with me? What if everybody laughs at me? What if this, that, and the other thing? Mm-hmm. They James, have James and Max is like, just just mess with them with your mind powers. <laughs> what mind? Oh, what mind powers? He's Professor X. Oh right, Jesus Christ. Uh, they have some chat about P- Penelope and how Phoebe thinks she's pushing too hard. Uh, I could be at home working on stuff for the, and I, in parentheses, I wrote very serious disease fundraiser. I didn't come up with, I was going to come up with a name, but that was way too much work and I wasn't going to Google around for one, but it's just like a very serious, like illness that Phoebe's like, um, a proponent for medicine and finding the cure and et cetera, et cetera. But boils. No. Um, They Are you sure? No, I'm really sure. Um, <laughs> I could be home working on stuff for the fundraiser, but now I'm going to stand in an auditorium and drink crappy punch. Max agrees Penelope comes on a little strong here, but also kind of backs her up with the she just doesn't want you to miss out. Uh, also, the kind of the uh, you're right, but I'm not going to throw my wife under the bus. Like, I'm not going to be the dad who's like, yeah, I agree with you. She sucks. Yeah. I think Phoebe says something like, if she wanted me to go so bad, I don't know why you had to drive us. And mostly so that we get exposition that 
Penelope is at parent-teacher conferences because she's a teacher at the end of the first movie. And that Max has a show at the club slash bar slash whatever the fuck Russell Brand was running in the first movie. Um, In the first movie, Max shows up after Penelope changes his heart and mind and he decides to quit poker. Shows up at this like club run by Russell Brand where he used to play piano, but like ditched him a bunch of times. And so now he Mm. like he started working there, like cleaning the floors and stuff to earn, I guess, a spot to play piano again. Max drops the girls off and heads for the gig. There is some horrible traffic. His phone dies and he misses the gig. He gets there and the place is empty. Russell Brand's character is at the piano drinking, sad and apologetic. Max is effusively apologetic. Russell understands and is actually not that mad. Like, he gets it. Like, he was being a good dad. It wasn't like he ditched him to, like, get drunk and play poker or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is out of his hands now, though. Max asks what he means, and RB, I, I have it abbreviated as RB, because I don't want to type Russell Brand out every time, so if I say RB, I mean Russell Brand. Got it. Uh, if he remembers when Max came back to work slash play at the club, Max says he remembers. We get a flashback of an agreement in the first movie that we never saw on screen, so this is like a, ooh, this wasn't in, like a scene that was in the first movie, but it happened. But it, but it wasn't in the first movie, got it. Right. There's some exposition about how Max stood up Russell a bunch of times, and now he's begging for a spot to play. Russell agrees to let Max play there again, but he has to prove he wants this slash earn his spot by working there. They agree, and Russell pulls him in and says, but if you stand me up one more time, your whole world will come crashing down around you in the way you fear most. Wow, that's strong. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I, it, it plays very much of more like a I'll break your kneecaps kind of threat. Like it. It's more of just like oh. a don't screw me over again. Yeah. We're back in the present. Russell has poured them both drinks. Max is trying to explain that it wasn't his fault, slash it was for a good reason and not for poker. Russell gets it and is clearly really torn up, but it's out of his hands. Penelope comes tearing into the club with Phoebe in a big coat, asking Max why he isn't answering his phone. Penelope removes the coat from Phoebe and turns her around. A pig's tail is poking out from under the dress. Max slowly turns to look at Russell, who is chucking straight from the liquor bottle. So, there's a pigtail on... Phoebe, the daughter. Phoebe. Has a pig's tail. Got it. They're confronting Russell as Phoebe, freaking out, buries herself in her phone. Uh, They ask, like, are you a wizard? And what the other one says, what he is is irrelevant. He needs to change Phoebe back. He tells them he can't. She'll stay that way until a blue blood claims her as one of their own until death do they part. He doesn't sing it like that. I'm just doing it because it's a reference. Yeah. I mean, Russell Brand (laughs) might say that, say it like that. I mean, (laughs) yeah, if he was like... You know, it's like the blah, blah, blah. This is the curse. If he was like you Puck know. from Shakespeare, he might be like dancing around and singing. But I think that like Russell's like, I, I, I don't, I didn't want this to happen anymore. Like before yeah. it was like, cause I didn't trust you. But once I set, once I put this curse down, it like, I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Penelope actually seems to relax. Um, Russell Brand's phone rings and he sees it's from mum in quotes. He tells Penelope it's not going to be that easy. Phoebe isn't a full blue blood. Her dad wasn't blue blooded and they aren't exactly living the full blue blood life as a teacher and piano player. Penelope asks why he's doing this. Uh, He doesn't want to, but the curse was laid 15 years ago and he can't take it back now. Suddenly Phoebe shrieks. She shows them the phone pictures of her and her tail at the prom have gone viral. Uh, We see the photo on the phone and watch as the views likes up swipes skyrocket. We also in this shot. <laughs> what? Up swipes. It's really more intuitive. Yeah. We also in this shot see the tail get a little bit longer. 
we see a slurry of news broadcasts showing pictures, websites, etc., etc., all talking about Phoebe and the family history. Phoebe is in front of the TV, wrapped up in a blanket, watching in horror with an open laptop in front of her, showing more coverage. So Phoebe had this tale at the prom without knowing. Like, like it like grew she, she, while she was at the prom. Grew. Got it. But they sh- until she entered the room with them, she wasn't aware of it. Yeah, or I mean, she was at the prom when it grew. It, it's not like she's had this the whole time. It was at okay. when Max missed the gig, it grew. Got so it, she would have been at prom when it happened. So she knew it was happening at prom. That's yeah, like, or she like figured okay. it out or whatever. Like it's. So I'm not. I don't go into too into detail. This is not a thing she's had since birth. It is a thing that yeah, happened yeah, yeah. while she was at the prom. It grew. Yeah. So Penelope <laughs> brings Phoebe in into the club, rushing in. It's like you're on answering your phone. This is happening. Yes. Right? This. Ha- yeah. This that, has that, happened. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. So I think that while she's watching this, the tale is actually like noticeably longer than before as well like it's it's getting longer still penelope knocks and lets her know that her friends are here they come in and don't seem super freaked out uh they inform phoebe that she's all anyone at school is talking about even and here madison i have written the popular hot guy that i'm gonna let madison name so you get to name the very popular hot guy character in this movie duke leatherman sorry what duke leatherman cool all right they come in and don't seem super freaked. They inform Phoebe that she's all anyone at school is talking about. Even Duke Leatherman asked about her. Phoebe drops the blanket. They have her full attention. Penelope and Max are in the kitchen talking about what to do while Penelope gets some snacks ready. Uh, Penelope is brainstorming options on how to get rid of the tail. Not that it's bad, mind you, she keeps saying before talking more about getting rid of it. This comes up again later, but Penelope's arc is going to kind of be like... No, no, I'm I'm very supportive. I'm very supportive. But like the whole mm. 25 years she spent having this ingrained into her brain by her mom, like yeah. it's a thing that she can't quite shake. Like she's trying to she's, be supportive, but there is like in the back of her mind this like she gets she gets a little bit what her mother was talking about. It's like uh, or like it's it's harder it's hard for her to fight against like that natural yeah, instinct. It, it's maybe. more it is more about Phoebe though in this than it it was because in the first one it was very clearly the mother was like i don't want to be the woman whose daughter has a pig face it was less about penelope than it was about her and i think that where the mom treated this as like this horrific deformity that like no one could know about i think the way i phrased it was penelope thinks about it more like a wart on your hand or something that like it's not bad but you don't want it yeah and i don't really get into that nuance like i here and there i say like this is where we see this kind of playing out more that's my idea for penelope's character she's trying to Mm -hmm. be supportive but also like we should probably do something about this even though she you know learned her lesson in the first movie it's um so i do have written down uh i think that penelope is kind of doing the same thing her mother did while outwardly saying it's not a bad thing max is more living in that truth that it's not bad uh, he knows that children can be cruel, so he feels bad for Phoebe and that she'll have to go through the horrible experience of high school with like this tale, basically, unless like unless they figure out some way to get rid of it. But he's much more like mm. this isn't a problem necessarily. Like he finally says, Penelope, if you're so worried, we do know one blue blood. And Penelope freezes and says, We're not calling her. She puts the snacks on a tray and leaves the room. Uh, she's surprised when she enters the living room and finds Phoebe in high spirits, Snapchatting with her friends, selfies with the tail clearly visible. Phoebe shows off how many followers she has now, etc. 
This is where we really get the idea that Penelope isn't okay with this situation. She clearly acts pleased, but uh, isn't. Yeah. We get scenes of Phoebe growing in popularity while Penelope's supportive attitude frays more and more. Phoebe also is becoming kind of a shit. Uh, it's it's the classic shy I'm introvert getting, gets popular a suddenly. A little popular, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, like she's getting she she's like uh, Brittany Murphy's character at Clueless a little sure. bit. Like she's like getting she's getting popular and then it's, it's getting to her head. It's like rushing to her head too fast. Exactly. Like uh, she yeah. blows off the very serious disease fundraiser. Uh, she's alienating and pushing away her old friends for the popular crowd, especially Duke Leatherton. Leatherton or Leatherman? What did you say? Uh, let's do Duke Leatherton. I think that's a, a, a cooler name. Okay. Uh, especially Duke Leatherton. All the while, Max and Russell Brand are in the club reading from huge tomes, a la Supernatural's research scenes. Like, just like at tables and stuff with huge books of like, like trying to find any means, like, I guess, of magic. Sure. <laughs> looking, look, looking hot in your books. Exactly. Uh, trying to find anything to reverse the curse. In each scene, Russell's phone rings, and he ignores it. Finally, in the last research scene, he gets up, walks over to the bar, douses his phone in liquor, and lights it on fire. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. I just thought that was a very fun, like, a montage of them, like, reading books, and he keeps, like, ignoring the phone, and then finally, one time, he just gets up, walks over to a bar, pours, covers it, and then just, like, lights it on fire, sure. sits back down, yeah. and keeps reading. Uh, the final straw is one night when Phoebe and Penelope have a fight about how Phoebe is acting. Phoebe brings up Penelope's old nose and a, why is it okay that you got to be popular with your thing, but I can't be? Because Penelope does like leverage, the, not leverage it, but embraces the popularity that her nose yeah. brings. Penelope picks up the phone and dials a number and says, hello, mother. I think it's time you met your granddaughter. Oh, wow. Jeez. Uh, yeah. I think this this is meant to be much more of a like, her head's gotten too big. So I, th- I know one person who could probably definitely at least bring her back down to size. Like, Got it. Um, a car driving off as Phoebe stands in front of the ancestral Wilhern Manor with two suitcases. Grandma Wilhern comes hustling outside and bustles Phoebe inside, looking around to see if anyone has seen or noticed Phoebe. What follows is a cat and mouse montage of Phoebe trying to use her phone to Instagram or Snapchat without the ashamed Grandma Wilhern noticing, but always getting caught. And Grandma Wilhern trying to hide the phone and Phoebe always finding it almost immediately. Slash Grandma Wilhern stealing the phone off of Phoebe's bedside table in the middle of the night. It's very much a, I want to do this. And the grandma will be like, no, you're not doing this. And so like spy versus spy of trying to secretly do this while the other one's trying to secretly hide the phone. So has Penelope taken her to grandma's so grandma can hide her away like she did Penelope? Is that that what's happening? No, it's more... I don't know. It's more like, um, in a sense, getting sent to military school. Got it. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Penelope's idea is like, I know what my mother's like. And if anyone is going to curb this attitude problem with Phoebe, it's going to be my mom. I, I think you could also like, it's also sort of like Penelope's a little too close to the situation because this also happened to her, but she's like sure. conflicted and like, she, she may not know how to handle it necessarily because mm-hmm. she sees how it's kind of making her daughter very vain right and that's what i mean it she knows one person who can definitely cut like nip that vainness in the bud Mm -hmm. and it's the woman who raised her for 25 years with like that's not your nose it's your great 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 grandfather's nose and like the real use hidden under there it's waiting to come out etc etc and at this point it's just the tail right it's it's just the tail yeah it's it's decently long at this point too like it's got it um 
it seems like, and I mean, I, this isn't, this comes up a little bit later, but more of like just stating the subtext, like the, the more attention she gets, the longer the tale gets. Oh, okay. It's almost like enveloping her almost. Like not, yeah, not necessarily. Like, it's not like obscenely long, but it might be like up to her shoulders or whatever. Like it's, it's decent. It's pretty long now, but it, and it doesn't grow like a foot every day or whatever, but it's the more attention she gets, the longer the tale gets. Got it. And that's kind of the subtext. Like it becomes the text later, but mm-hmm. we end the montage on a scene of Phoebe sneaking into grandma Wilhern's bathroom, looking for the phone. She opens the medicine cabinet and finds it filled to the brim with medicines like proper pharmacy medicines. Phoebe recognizes a lot of the names. Grandma Wilhern has very serious disease. Phoebe softens a little towards Grandma Wilhern after this. Uh, she starts helping out around the house, spending time with her, etc. Grandma Wilhern doesn't really soften on the principle of the that there's something wrong with Phoebe, uh, yeah. but she does start to warm to her as a person, as her grandmother. They start to bond a little bit more. There, first, there's not for a second a flicker of like, oh, I'm coming to accept the situation with the tail. But it's like, you're my granddaughter, and, you know, we do yeah. puzzles and have tea and cocoa, etc. Uh, we see them pottering around the garden. We see them doing puzzles, and we see Phoebe's tail starting to shrink as the media cycle loses interest in her. Then, one day, Phoebe finds Grandma Woolhern hasn't gotten up yet. She goes about her morning, but still no grandma. Finally, Phoebe goes into her room and finds she's slipped into a coma. She calls oh, an no. ambulance, and they rush her to the hospital. Oh God! This is the most, it's the most dark equalizers yet. I I doubt that. We did talk about I think killing children in the first in Hook too. I don't know. That's <laughs> been like six months at this point. It's been six months and a week. Didn't you listen to my intro? No. Everybody skips the intros, Madison. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the whole family is in the hospital room. Penelope is crying. Phoebe looks shell shocked, and Max is trying to be strong for the both of them as the doctor is talking. He ends by asking if she has any friends or other family who could write to her, talk to her, or send her any kind of positive messages. Um, I kind of wrote out the dad, like Grandpa Wilhern. I think he probably passed away at some point. He's, I didn't. He's almost completely out of the first movie. He's not really that there that often. I love Papa Wilhern though because he's like totally on Penelope's side. But, like, yeah. so scared of his wife that he's not going to do anything, like, rebellious. But then when Penelope wants to, like, leave, and she's like, can I have some money? And she says, no. And she goes, Mom, the reporters are asking if you kept me in the basement. He just starts laughing his ass off, pulls out his wallet, and just hands yeah. her a fistful of cash. Yeah. So, yeah. He ends by asking if she has any friends or other family who could write to her slash talk to her or send her any kind of positive messages. It won't cure the disease, but they found it helps keep the spirits up, which generally helps with, you know, recovery. Mm-hmm. Penelope and Max leave with the doctor to fill out some paperwork, and Phoebe has a brain blast. She puts a selfie of her and Grandma Wilhern on her Instagram, asking for good vibes and messages. About this time, God. we establish in a natural-sounding way that I haven't cracked yet that she hasn't ever really checked the comments on her posts uh, since the first couple times. Like, when she first started getting popular, the comments were all, like, generally positive or like, wow, that's amazing, etc., etc. Uh, oh, she just cares about likes at this point. She checks the comments after a few minutes, and the first couple are positive. Then they get cruel. Phoebe drops the phone and runs out of the room crying. Grandma Wilhern looks at the phone, at first very weakly, but as she reads the heinous and hateful stuff people have said, her rage gives her strength. By the time Penelope and Max return, she's upright in bed. They ask where Phoebe is, and Grandma Wilhern tells them. Max takes off to look for her. P- 
Penelope approaches the bed, an angry mother tiger. Grandma Wilhern reads some of the comments out loud. What's wrong with her? Why is she proud of that tail? I'd be ashamed. She looks up at Penelope. This is what I was trying to keep you from. Penelope stares at her and says, You weren't keeping me safe from all that. You were keeping you safe. Besides, I got plenty of all this anyway. And Grandma Wilhern says, I never called you. And Penelope cuts her off with, You never had to. I, I want to point out how poignant that is. Like, I think you did a really good job of that. Because the implication at the very end of the movie, Penelope breaking the curse herself by loving herself and like it being, oh, one of your own has to love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means that like her, her mother or father really did not love her. <laughs> like if, if that's what the curse was, it like didn't love her with the pig nose, right? Yeah, I mean, arguably, yeah, like semantically, like, it leads you to that conclusion based on the text of the cur- of the curse. Yeah, so... I think that's a very poignant thing you just pointed out in this sequel. I would imagine more so that was not the intent. Like the intent was that they do love her, but like, but, but based on the phrasing of the curse, it it leads to the conclusion that they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they loved her as a daughter, but they didn't love her as the daughter with the pig nose. They loved her as the daughter. She would be one day, the once in future daughter. Yeah, exactly. So grandma will, Grandma Wilhern looks aghast as Penelope gives her the real telling off she deserved but never got in the first movie about how shitty she was, all the while beginning to realize her own failings with Phoebe. Like I said, as she's kind of ranting, she's starting to realize some of this also applies to her behavior with Phoebe. Uh, She ends pointing at the phone. Those people were strangers. You were my mother. And she leaves to find Mm -hmm. Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe is running out of the hospital and runs smack dab into a young Irish woman holding flowers. Uh, this pl- person is played by Katie McGrath, who was uh, Morgana in Merlin, BBC's Merlin. She's Lena Luther in Supergirl, and she's Bryce Dallas Howard's assistant in Jurassic World. Ah, yes. All of these properties that I've seen. That's fine. I picked... I, I, more, <laughs> more than five minutes of. I... I kind of cast the wide net of her career things that I figured people would recognize her from. You cast the widest net and it did not catch That's me fine. at all. <laughs> I mean, I guess the net still does only include people who've watched Merlin, Jurassic Park, or Supergirl. Or Jurassic World, I'm sorry. I will say that's a lot of... I mean, that 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 is a wide net, I think. I think a lot of people do. I just am very un... with it, I think, with a lot of more modern TV shows and movies. She helps Phoebe up, and she actually recognizes her. In fact, she was bringing the flowers for Grandma Wilhern. She introduces herself as Bridget, and realizing Phoebe was running away from the hospital, she asks if Phoebe needs a ride somewhere. Phoebe seems obviously wary of taking a ride from a stranger. We hear Max calling Phoebe's name, and then she quickly agrees. like She just wants to be away from her family. like She wants to be alone. Uh, I think Max sees them get in the car and starts running towards them. As the car pulls away, they pass Russell Brand driving toward the hospital. Russell and Bridget look at each other for a second, and his face falls. He sees Penelope and Max getting into their car, and they pull away. Uh, this is where my notes get a little like more slapdash. I think it's okay. Bridget takes Pe- PB. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget takes Phoebe to Wilhern House and hides them in the secret Penelope room. And here we have an exposition dump. She. <laughs> This is where the movie takes a turn, and I apologize. Back it up. I re- <laughs> she reveals that she's the Celtic goddess Brigid, who owned Holy the shit. father of boars, Torque Triath. And I apologize to anyone who knows how to actually pronounce that for mangling that pronunciation. 
Uh, when Russell Brand's curse activated, it made Phoebe a totem, a focus for worship of Bridget. <laughs> Uh, every like every follow fed Bridget she's here now with limited power like I think it made her corporeal like before she was kind of like a god but like this totem and all the likes and attention and media coverage like Uh, gave her mortal form this is great if Phoebe were to commit to Bridget to love and worship her she could give Phoebe amazing powers Phoebe wouldn't have to worry if the people liked her she would be a goddess she would demand their love and loyalty Uh, I think this is obviously a very tempting offer for somebody like Phoebe. I can't see why. Bridget holds out a phone. And basically on the phone is a very simplified version of Instagram. It's a picture of Bridget and a like and follow button. Okay. Max and Penelope get to Wilhern house and are looking around and can't find her. They're about to leave when Grandma Wilhern shows up being pushed in a wheelchair by Russell Brand. <laughs> he explains to them who Bridget is. The witch, I guess the witch from the first movie, was part of a cult who worshipped Bridget. Uh, which is how the curses are the same, basically. They ask if Russell Brand is part of the cult, too. Uh, he's not. He's her son. Oh. So he's a god, and he says, I don't like to brag, since technically I'm supposed to be dead. That's a very inside baseball reference to this: the son of the goddess Bridget, who died in battle. Grandma Warhern is tapping and scrolling on uh, Phoebe's phone as quickly as she can, and she says something about being there to help and that they're wasting time. Penelope says something like, you're too late, mother. We've searched every room. And Grandma Wilhelm, Wilhelm, <laughs> Irma Gerd, Grandma Wilhelm. Um, oh my girl. Grandma Wilhelm. Oh my Gerd. Gerd or <laughs> uh, Penelope says something like, you're too late, mother. We've searched every room. And Grandma Wilhelm says pointedly, every room? They find them with Phoebe's thumb over the button, as it were. Penelope apologizes and talks about how thoughtful and kind Phoebe is. Grandma Wilhern raises from her chair and says something like, Your mother isn't perfect, but that's my fault more than anything. She spent most of her life in this room alone while I told her. And then my notes cut off here because I meant to come back and add way more detail. But this is very much the, like, Grandma Wilhern owning up to, like, being a real piece of shit. And she says, Your mother loves you very much, as much as I should have loved her. At this point, Phoebe's just already hit the button. (laughs) Uh, She stumbles and collapses back into the chair. Penelope drops to her knees next to her. Grandma Wilhern whispers, I'm so sorry. It was never what was here. She touches Phoebe's nose. It's what was here and touches her heart. She pulls out Phoebe's phone and taps it twice before slumping over. Bridget is unimpressed. Uh, We hear Phoebe say, Mom? And everyone looks at her as her tail is shrinking quickly. Max and Penelope rush to Phoebe as Bridget is furious. She and Grandma Wilhern's eyes meet and Grandma Wilhern smiles wickedly. Bridget magically pulls the phone to her and sees that Grandma Wilhern has created an Instagram account and liked slash followed Phoebe. (laughs) Scrolling down the page, we see Grandma Wilhern has liked every picture on the feed, going even farther back than when she had a tail. Uh, Grandma Wilhern starts laughing, quietly, victorious. The laugh gets quieter and quieter until it stops, and Grandma Wilhern has died. Catherine O'Hara, no! Bridget is about to get violent when Russell Brand shows up and snaps her, his fingers and I guess like magics her away. I kind of deus ex mahina at the end of this here because I wasn't terribly sure how to end it and mm-hmm. uh, snaps her away with his hitherto untouched upon god powers. And he says, well, there goes about 3,000 years of saved up power. I like the idea that because this god supposedly died, the idea is that like he doesn't have much god power. So he's just been kind of yeah. like saving it up for one Probably like a, a, a quick escape if he ever needed it, but he kind of he burned mm-hmm. it here to stop them. 
we get a final exposition kind of scene, like a final scene of I think like Penelope and Phoebe having movie nights, like nights in together, like a way of showing that Penelope has lightened up a little, but we also get a lot of scenes of like Phoebe out and about doing things like pushing Mm -hmm. outside of her shell and getting out into the world a little more. And that is the end of my notes and arguably the pitch. Does she still have the tail? No, I think I think it was gone because the curse was broken. This this one was much less about Phoebe accepting who she was. Mm-hmm. Like it was more about I don't know if redemption is the right word, but Grandma Wilhern kind of figuring out her shit, and Penelope yeah. kind of figuring out her shit. And like I don't know, like I guess Phoebe wasn't really the main character. Unless so maybe it should just be Penelope too, and not have Phoebe as the colon because she's not really the main character. Yeah, it's sort of the fact that like the curse kind of lived on to teach that mother the lesson, Mm -hmm. because I don't I don't know if she necessarily learned that lesson in the first movie or anything like that. Like I you could be like Penelope to the family curse or something like that. I may stick with just Penelope, too, because I think it's. Yeah, but my 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 thought process just as like because I realized at one point that like Phoebe wasn't even the main character and didn't really have much of an arc in this so much as the others did was the idea of Penelope, but in the Snapchat generation and almost Mm -hmm. every way I could conceive of her learning some lesson was basically Snapchat and Instagram are bad and selfies are bad and taking pictures of yourself and posting them online are bad. And like, I really was so uninterested in doing a, Oh, this generation and they're Snapchatting. It's so bad. Like, Mm which is why I think I ended up focusing on everyone else because I could not think of a way to do a Phoebe arc that didn't involve like really shitting on like millennials and Snapchat and Instagram and all of that. Like, yeah. So that's kind of why she ended up getting sidelined a bit and being used more as like an, a prop for everyone else's arc. Yeah. I think it focusing on the family, since this seems to be sort of the curse carrying on, mm-hmm. um, I think it makes kind of sense that it's more focused on the family and sure them getting a somewhat of a redemption uh, for each of them and the grandma um, right mother figure getting that final moment, I guess. So anyway, that's, did I do it? I think you did it. All right. Well, if I did it, that's credits on another episode of the equalizers, Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Podbean, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers. And again, as a reminder, it's spelled E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S. Step into my spelling throne. All right. You can find us on social media at Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com. We have an Instagram. It is the underscore equalizers where we try to post a little teaser for the new episode, um, I, <laughs> I'm i not sure what this one's going to be. I mean, we told you what the movie was, so I don't think you had any trouble guessing. But uh, we have Rotten Tomatoes, which I'll probably stop talking about after this one. Uh, King Dwarf, one word, 69. Special thanks on our theme song, Rock Thing, go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. Uh, we'd love if you would give us a good review and subscribe. Also, just like tell a friend. That would be pretty rad. Go to their house, mm-hmm. hang out with them, order pizza, mm-hmm. get some za mm-hmm. in the gullet, 
and then get very serious with them and be like, Anthony, I need to tell you something. And it's super, super serious. I'm listening to this really cool podcast right now. It's called The Equalizers. They do some really great stuff on there. I think you should take a listen. I mean, and then kiss Anthony. <laughs> I think even if you don't do that necessarily, just tell a friend named Anthony about us and then kiss them. Yeah. Only if they want you to, though. Yes. Yeah. If the moment's right. <laughs> well, and the moment being they are into you kissing them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the equalizers, I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. To be continued.